Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emma Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about letters. We've had the Reserve Bank Governor and the Minister of Finance writing letters to one another. I wrote you a letter, Andrew, once. You never responded to it. <laughs> I think it was in a red envelope. Uh, yeah. And this all kicked off two days ago when the Minister of Finance, Grant Robertson, wrote a letter to the Reserve Bank Governor. And we're recording a podcast about this today so that we can break down the actual letters and go beyond the headlines and the articles that you're probably reading and seeing to say, what is the change that's being asked? What is being asked? And does it actually matter at all? So let's kick this off with the first letter from Grant Robertson to the Governor of the Reserve Bank. And he said, Dear Adrian, I won't read you at all, Dear by Eddie. the way. Dear, they're affectionate. I'm writing to seek your views on ways that the government and the Reserve Bank can work together to have more moderation in house prices. And that is the key phrase here, I believe, that Grant Robertson is wanting to slow it down from the 13.5% increases year on year that we've had over the last year. And can I just say, before we get into it, how useless would Grant Robertson be if he didn't try and do something about it? Because nobody would want to see 13.5% increases year on year ongoing over the long term in house prices. But just to point out there, that is just one year. We have had a number of years with much slower growth. So one sunny day does not a summer make. And that is why the government is needing to respond in these. And specifically all around the country, in Wellington, for instance, we had eight years of no growth in house prices. And so we do tend to have these peaks and rushes of house prices increasing. But if they weren't trying to do something about it or talking about it or responding, doing something. Exactly. And we're going to get into this. Now, the key thing that I want to talk about, though, the change that has been suggested by Grant Robertson is actually not very large. So he has suggested, and he's trying to canvas Adrian Orr's views on what the Reserve Bank could do to moderate house prices. They're not saying don't allow them to increase, but don't have them increasing at the same amount that we have over the last 12 months. And he said, look, I'm considering making a small change to Section B of the current remit, specifically to Clause 2 there which states that the Monetary Policy Committee will make their decisions and try to avoid unnecessary instability or large changes in output, so that's growth in the economy, interest rates, the exchange rate, and he wants to add house prices into it. So now the Reserve Bank and the Monetary Policy Committee will try and avoid unnecessary instability in output, interest rates, exchange rate, and house prices. It's quite the remit. Now, one of the things that I did was went away and listened to some of the radio interviews with former Reserve Bank employees to understand how big of a change this is. And I want to play you a clip from Michael Riddell. I know you guys enjoyed listening to clips. Thank you so much for the feedback last time we did an episode about this. To understand, well, how much regard does the Monetary Policy Committee and Reserve Bank employees actually give to, there are currently three things there, but how much regard do they give to it? Those other three things have been there for the last 20 years. People at the Reserve Bank never fully knew quite what it meant. It never made much difference to monetary policy. So they haven't in the past, according to this commentator, really given much regard to this because there are three or four competing perhaps objectives in there and the decisions that they make could affect all of them. 
I guess what it's just saying there is they don't want them to shoot up or down too much, but it hasn't given much change to the actual impact of monetary policy decisions. It's really interesting because now you've got the question as to whether or not the Reserve Bank is going to have conflicting goals. So they're trying to control interest rates, but they're also trying to control house prices. And they need to have those interest rates low for a long time, particularly with unemployment being one of their main focuses and their mandate, they need to make sure that businesses are surviving and thriving and employing people to keep that low unemployment rate. However, if you put up interest rates to trying to control the housing price then all of a sudden it becomes more expensive for businesses to grow, to borrow money, and maybe you have, on the one hand, lower house prices, but no one can afford them because they don't have jobs. Generally, if interest rates go up, we would say that would have a negative impact on employment or that would increase unemployment. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to see catastrophic job losses, but it certainly doesn't help that goal. So there is a conflict between the two of these. And Mark Riddell from this interview actually mentioned it as well. Let's listen to that clip. If they tried to say, oh, well, we don't like the house prices, so we'll put interest rates a bit higher, they'd be also driving unemployment up. And that's their prime job. They're just not going to do it. So this is mostly political theatre. So two points there. He's saying, I'm not sure that they're actually going to give due regard to house prices. And then the political theatre angle as well. Andrew, what do you think about that? Well, one of the interesting things is housing is always very topical. You'll see it on the front page of newspapers all the time, particularly when you do have a year of record growth. Absolutely. But also, it was really interesting because in the last couple of months, I've noticed so many more articles about rents going up and maybe there not being the same availability of properties available for rent as there were 12, 24 months ago. So whilst on the one hand, they want to kind of control the housing market, if there is a housing shortage, then the solution isn't to make it easier for people to move into and buy their own house. It's to have more options for people to be able to rent and or put more stock on the market. And you were just saying before we hit record as well that you were listening to a comment or a speech by the Prime Minister about her definitions of affordability and problem definition here is very important, which yeah, we'll get into. Yeah, so I saw an interview yesterday with her following this letter. They were asking, you know, what she thought the issue was. And she was saying, you know, affordability, which was kind of the blanket term that they were using, was an issue. But she wasn't referring to the cost of servicing. And in fact, she said, you know, for a lot of people, even in Auckland, if you buy a property, even a, a you you know, a 90% mortgage, usually the mortgage payments will be cheaper than what those people might pay in rent. The issue, as far as the government sees it, is actually the ability to have a deposit. And so that's probably the direction that they're going to go in. And way back in the day, over a year and a half ago, I remember we looked at some of the reports that came out from Housing New Zealand, Kainga Aura, which showed that about 30% of renters could afford to service a mortgage in their current household. They could afford to service an 85% mortgage. It was pulling the deposit together that was the issue. So what could the government do there? There are two things. They could say, well, let's try and regulate so that banks are more willing to lend at lower deposits to first home buyers. Remember, the first home loan is already there. That sets a minimum deposit of 5%. Now, there are some pretty edge cases where you'd actually get that 5% loan. It's not out there and available to any man off the street, but certainly they could make it easier for those higher LVR loans 
Hence, the other thing is they could expand the Home Start grant where a couple can get up to $20,000 already as a grant from the government. And that's the maximum. There are some rules around that, which we've talked about previously. And they could expand that further. But remember, if you're giving more money to first home buyers to build up their deposits, you're going to increase the demand for housing. You're going to push prices up further. And this is exactly what the advice was to the incoming minister, the Minister of Housing, Dr. Megan Woods, back in July 2019, where they said these sorts of demand-driven programs are going to push prices up further because you're increasing demand. The major issue is supply, and that brings us over to the Reserve Bank's letter. Dear Minister, blah, 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 blah. As I've said publicly on many occasions, monetary and financial regulatory policy alone, so what I can do here at the Reserve Bank, alone cannot address this challenge. There are many long-term structural issues at play. And so he goes on to talk about supply. He goes on to talk about the fiscal programs. Remember, we talked about the difference between monetary and fiscal policy. The government could actually spend some money or they could regulate or they could do some other things to address this. And what Adrian Orr is saying, there is a limit to what I can do. I have blunt instruments in order to be able to manipulate the economy. I can increase interest rates or decrease interest rates. And I have a few other tools, but I do not have very accurate tools that can target particular groups of people. So I'm going to need some help in this. And he's gone on to say, look, I do consider house prices within my decisions, generally trying to push asset prices up to get people (laughs) to spend more. And also... There is some elements of housing that come within the consumer price index. So things like rents, rates, construction costs, and higher transaction costs for housing. The issue, though, is because inflation is so low, in essence, he's trying to push the cost of everything up and having an inflationary impact here. And it goes on to say, look, I will get back to you after I've given this some due thought, but it's really a holding pattern here. Yeah, and actually the final comment is interesting to me. The monetary policy actions have been and will continue to be effective in supporting the economy through the COVID-19 economic shock. Look, the dirty dark secret of politics I've said before is that actually the government wants house prices to increase because it makes us feel rich. And if we feel richer, we spend more money. And that's a good thing for the economy. And so that will continue. And actually one of Jacinda Ardern's other comment in the interview yesterday was, hey, let's not forget that six months ago, We were worried about a whole economic crash in the housing market. We were predicting major house price decreases. So again, we've had some good growth now, but let's not get carried away and say, well, you know, this has all become unaffordable overnight. And you know, something interesting before we hit record as well, Andrew, is when we first had the Labour government come in, remember we recorded a live episode in Auckland and talked about that we felt that the Labour government would have to take a very moderate approach now that they have a, an absolute majority in Parliament. And I feel like we're seeing that. Absolutely. Like a lot of the commentary that's coming out from the Prime Minister now, I'm nodding and agreeing with and saying that's probably pretty sensible in the line that I would approach. Whereas perhaps if there was a handbrake from some other parties within Parliament at the moment or within government, then she would have the ability to do more of this political theatre. I have three more clips for you. The first is I just want to harken back to the clip I played you a couple of episodes ago, which is a very short one from Adrian Orr detailing essentially what his focus is. The other part of why we talk a lot about employment is because it really matters. Exactly. His focus is on inflation 
and employment. And where those goals conflict with house prices, he's going to do what his mandate is. That's the key thing. The other thing, just delving a little more into the political theatre aspect of it, I've got Mike Riddell again speaking about why these letters perhaps have been sent. A couple of news cycles, looks like they're doing something, but it won't actually make much difference, won't do much harm, but they'll get a couple of good headlines out of it in the short term. So because there is so much political pressure at the moment, lots of headlines about it because you and I read about it and you guys are obviously interested in house prices and the housing market in general. That's why you listen to this daily show. There's so much interest in it that the media writes about it and of course the politicians have to be seen to respond. But while you are listening and reading over the weekend and thinking about this, and I'm sure there will be a lot written about it, I just want you to take a bit of a moderate approach and filter through what you're listening to as well. I've got a clip here from Heather Duplissy Allen with the opening of that interview with Mike Riddell. Who is considering redefining the role of the Reserve Bank to account for house prices as well as inflation and unemployment. Look, it's not quite correct. He's not looking to redefine. And when I'm talking about he, the Minister of Finance is not looking to redefine the role of the Reserve Bank. It is a small change within a specific section that he has to consider a little bit more than perhaps he previously did in the past. And this has not gone into the remit. He's just said, here's an idea that I've got. Andrew, you've seen many storms within housing over the last 15, 20 years within property. How does something like this compare? And what I want to know is, how would 18-year-old Andrew react to this compared to how you would today? Well, the 18-year-old Andrew probably would have thought that this was going to change something and that we're going to see the house prices fall back and come to a devastating crash. The 36-year-old Andrew realises that all this is probably just showmanship from the government and it will have very little effect and the economics of the housing market will continue on going. So this wouldn't stop me investing. This will make me probably double down. Fantastic. Hey, look, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a topic idea that you'd like Andrew and I to talk about, give us a text. Our number is 5522. It'd be great to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. Hold up. 